Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I'm Rachel True. And I'm Trent Venegas. And you're listening to Quoting Gene Roddenberry. The 100-day podcast that celebrates what would have been the 100th birthday of the man that created Star Trek. Each day between now and the end of our podcast, August 19th, one of Star Trek's biggest icons, or celebrity fans, or both, will be quoting Gene Roddenberry. Then we're going to take a deep dive into why we think this sci-fi legend still has a lot to say to the world. is read by Star Trek fan, political activist, and actress extraordinaire, Rosario Dawson. I think, for all the foolish things we do, we're a pretty remarkable creature, and we're still in our childhood compared to where we will be going. Welcome back to Quoting Gene Roddenberry, and it's our final week here at the podcast, and Rachel and I are very, very pleased to welcome a very special guest host this week, Gene Roddenberry's son. Rod Roddenberry is here this week. Welcome, Rod. Woo-hoo! Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I've, uh, I've been listening to you for the past, uh, what, 90, 90 days, and it's been quite spectacular. <laughs> That's not intimidating at all, Rod <laughs> Roddenberry. <laughs> no, trust me. Trust me. I love it. I've definitely heard things from you guys that I've never even contemplated when listening or reading these quotes before. So I give it to you guys. You've done an incredible job. Listen, we're super excited just to have the opportunity to dig into these. Like, this has actually been a joy. And by the way, people listening, 100 episodes to still be (laughs) joyful at 100 in is a gift, you know, that your father gave. So Trent, what are your thoughts on this pretty great quote that Rosario Dawson read so well, by the way? Yeah, she read it so well. You know, we've had the pleasure of of discussing, what, 97 uh, quotes up to today. And again, you know, I'm, I'm always struck by how... Uh, and Rod, I hope you'll forgive me to referring to your father as Gene, not like as if I knew him. But Gene has such a wonderful sense of the way that he presents ideas and the way that he presents his 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 the stories that he tells. And in this quote in particular, he mentions the, all the foolish things. He references humanity as still being childlike, as like foolish children, but we're still remarkable. Like it seems like a very I, I use the word charming a lot. It's, it's, a, it's a nice way of reminding us that we make mistakes. Uh, we still have a lot to learn. And without chiding us necessarily, you know, his turn of phrase uh, is a, it's a nice way to say, you know, we kind of mess up a lot and we still have a long way to go in terms of learning. Uh, and, and, and this is a lesson that I think that he it, was, it seemed very important to him to impart in his quotes and in the stories that we saw in the Star Trek series. So my question for you, Rod, is when you think about all the foolish things that we as humans do, 
What comes to mind for you? What foolish things do you think your dad was referring to? Well, first of all, I love hearing what you just said, because it just sparked uh, a point of view that I had not really thought of before. But to answer your question, foolish things, well, you know, listen, I come from a family of uh, optimists. Uh, you could say that on the outside, looking in, knowing my father and, and the idea of Star Trek. Uh, but sometimes, I'm sure in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and now, it is sometimes hard to be optimistic. And uh, mm -hmm. I find myself... Mm -hmm. uh, Sadly, sometimes, uh, maybe once a day or even a couple times a day, saying, geez, are we ever going to get out of this? Well, I mean, how dumb are we? Maybe we deserve what's happening to us. And, and I really don't want to come off as the negative one. But you know what I just heard in that quote, the foolish things we do, I think in some way my father is saying, calling it foolish because we need to also forgive ourselves. Yes. I, I don't mean to stand on a soapbox and preach the idea of forgiveness, but whether it's something small we do in a single day or something horrific we do to our environment or our culture or our leaders or, or our population, we all need to forgive because that's how we're going to move forward. That's how we're going to be something one day. And I didn't think about that until I just heard the quote and heard you. Rod, I love that you said that because when I heard the quote, the note I wrote down was forgiveness is yeah. important in this quote mm -hmm. because when we're, we forgive small children, right? If we're a good parent or a good aunt or whatever, and they make a mistake, we forgive it. But when it's ourselves or our peers, our, our lovers or whatever, mm -hmm. we can be so merciless, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So forgiveness to me was what really jumped out. And I think what I spurred that off or off was foolish because like you, foolish resonated with me because as an actor, uh, as well as a writer and other things that I do, but we are fools, right? Sacred fool is what an actor really is. So I, I wanted to ask you as well, was a sense of play, because fool to me means a sense of play, right? Yeah, yeah. So not just, not just fool, but let's not forget in history, it was the fool who had the king's ear, by mm -hmm. the way, in court, yeah. you know? It yeah. was a court jester, it was a fool at the king's ear, or in I, Claudius, it was Claudius who pretended to be a fool and survived to become Roman emperor. So I don't know if it was encouraged in your childhood, and I'm, I'm just being nosy, Rod. <laughs> you know, uh, a story that I have told a few times, and I'll be very quick about it. And, and, and it's what foolish being childlike and having fun. You know, my father was really more of the authority figure as I became a preteen teenager. But as a young boy, the, the few times I got to, to be with him and sorry, that, that sounded too dramatic. He did come home from dinner almost every night. So I did see him. But the time that we actually got to bond, we would we would get in his car and we would uh, it would be a boy's day and we'd go down to the Santa Monica Pier and he'd throw the ball and knock over milk jugs and win me a doll and I could play in the arcade and then we'd drive home. I, I'm abridging this quite a bit. We'd drive home, he'd park in the garage, he'd leave the lights on the car and he'd look over to me and he'd say, I'm Gene Poo Poo Roddenberry. And I would <laughs> giggle and giggle and giggle and I'd say, I'm Rod oh, I Poo Poo Roddenberry. And that would oh, be- I love that. Yeah, that would be like our ceremonious way of like ending it and we'd walk inside and it would be our secret that my mother didn't know. Of course she knew everything going on. And uh, you know, that was great. That was great. 
I would say that happened in my 20s, but I was probably more like four or five or six. <laughs> I know. I was going to say that was when you were 16, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I've said it to no, my kid, I, by the way, and he looks at me like, what are you, an idiot? <laughs> that's, not your, that's not your name. I'm like, well, okay, this didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, it's always sticky, right, when it's your own parent, because as you said, well, he was probably more of an authority figure when you were in high school. But Rod, I'm not even going to ask what you were up to in high school, because I know what I was up to in high school. All right. Yes, so we'll I, just leave that one be. I was more interested in my social life than my uh, the future of my education. Which... Actually begs another question with me uh, for you, Rod, because uh, per this quote, I think all of the foolish things we do are still pretty remarkable creatures and we're still in our childhood compared to where we, as Rosario stressed, will go. And I believe that Mm -hmm. your father, I don't mean to speak for Mr. Roddenberry, but I think he thinks we had infinite possibilities of Mm -hmm. where we could go. You know, we, we could go anywhere with all of this. But I guess my, my question for you would be, there's, did you go to a diverse school? Now I'm just being nosy because so many of these quotes are about diversity, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It has been a joy. And I realized diversity, your dad was not using it in the sense of like what a black woman would necessarily say diverse. He meant it in all totos areas of what diverse, mm-hmm. biodiversity, mm-hmm. Uh, everything. But I'm, I'm just curious, was that also, you know, something that you encountered as a childhood, a diversity? You know, I, I went to an all boys private high school. And it was so no, not so, a lot of diversity so, there. It, so yes, the short answer is no. There wasn't a lot of diversity there. Did you go to Eton in England? No, no, no. You, no. you probably went to LA, um, right? I mean, there was certainly some, but I, I certainly, by far, was not you know equal of different ethnicities there. And so, uh, for me, going there, going to a boys' school, that's what scared me the most. But what I loved about that is I got to make the closest friends. Some of my friends, yeah. are, most of my closest friends still are from high school. So anyhow, that's that's a little off topic. But um, No, but that was just me asking because when I, uh, and I want to hear Trent's opinion now on the mm-hmm. rest of this quote, but it just was interesting to me because it was obviously something that was important to your father, whether it was the crew of the original Enterprise, be diverse and dot, dot, dot. And um, I think the more we're around each other, right? Mm-hmm. The more we understand and accept all the different groups out there. Well, and so yeah. my father was really ahead of, I mean, well, many people. Um, there are plenty of great thinkers in the world. He certainly wasn't the only one. But uh, I, you guys have spoken to this already. It wasn't necessarily diversity in form. It was more diversity in idea. You know, in that Star Trek yeah. future, we mm-hmm. come together. Mm-hmm. The idea of different colored skin was absurd at that point. We were all humans right. together on Earth. We'd, we'd realized the power of that. And now we wanted to find creatures around our galaxy that looked at the universe in a different way. So we could grow and evolve from their way of looking at the universe differently. And them yeah. looking at the universe differently and us no longer fearing someone looking at something differently, but actually thirsting for it. That is what made us more, uh, more of an evolved uh, species. And so yeah. that's, that's what I love about this quote. And what's wonderful about the world of Star Trek that your father and all of the amazing writers created for us that we are still talking about all these years later is that, just as you said, uh, it wasn't just as simple as diversity of skin color. There's diversity of thought. There's diversity of idea. There's diversity of debate amongst, you know, like science and politics and religion when we get Deep Space Nine. Uh, Deep Space Nine is one of the 
more religious shows that I've ever seen of things that I like to watch and in sci-fi in general. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I like to say, and I've said it a few times, that uh, your father and the creators at Star Trek, the other writers, created like a blueprint for what we, what they believed we are capable of once we mature beyond our foolish childhood and we're able to finally realize that the, uh, to value the treasures of our diversity so that we can eradicate hunger, eradicate the monetary system, universal health care for everyone. And then we reach this utopia that gives us finally the jumping board to venture out into space and visit strange new worlds and new civilizations, which is wonderful. And if that happens, that would be great. Yeah. But as the, as the end of this quote says, your father very clearly says, uh, once we, you know, get beyond the, our foolish childhood, you know, to a place where we will be going. So whether we necessarily get to that ideal that uh, we still talk about and are a fan of, of the Star Trek universe, uh, I think the question remains, what do we think that place where we will be going will be? For me, I have to say, while I would love for us to get to the place where we have warp drive and replicators and I can have a friend like Data, uh, you know, for sure I won't see that in my lifetime. But I do think, uh, putting on my positive hat that I like to uh, put on when I'm talking about my favorite Gene Roddenberry quotes, I do see that humanity slowly but surely is work working toward a place of community. I think the more that we feel connected via the internet and, and just in real time, we can communicate with someone on the other side of the planet. And it, it kind of just eradicates that distance that we've had for most of human history. Uh, and it makes us feel closer. It makes, it makes the planet feel smaller. And, and that's where I see us going, like a, a hopefully a happier, uh, successful place of community. Wait, quick question, because I love what you just said, Trent. Like, that is Star Trek in a nutshell, right? Yeah. It's what mm -hmm. I loved it as a little teeny tiny child. But I've noticed there's a discussion on Twitter about Star Trek and people, there's some people critiquing it saying, well, they didn't um, say how they solved everything. And I was like, no, they didn't. That's not the point of the yeah. show. The yep. show is after we yeah. like I'm on there fighting, not fighting, but, you know, mm -hmm. tweeting with them back and mm -hmm. forth. So I understand why they're asking the question. But I also think that is not what your father set out to do was to say, here's a show of how we solved everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah, That's absolutely. not. That's what I said. This is what we're capable of. Right. What would you you two quickly answer to that before we wrap this episode up? If someone said, yes, but I have a bone to pick because they didn't tell us how they solved hunger. What would you say, Trent? You're pretty you're up on all the episodes. I'm not. Well, what I would say is. You know, it's nice to have someone give us the answer. It, you know, I, I know that there are a lot of people out there that look to a certain book and they get all of they, they live by that book and, and and they just want someone to tell them what to do. Uh. And, and that's very easy, which is great. I feel like the world of Star Trek gives us the tools to show us how we can solve those problems if we want to. So we see the examples in these characters and in these storylines. And if we are bold and brave and wise enough to, as a community, come together and make those things that we see in science fiction become a reality, we can do it. So we have the tools. It's kind of like a blueprint, maybe. Maybe it doesn't say a, a how-to, but those stories gives us the tools and we just have to use them. Rod, do you have any thoughts on that before we wrap up? Well, you know, I mean, I, just to be different than Trent, uh, because I agree with Trent uh, wholeheartedly, <laughs> 
you know, there's there's a scary part in this idea. Uh, in the Star Trek future, there has been a World War III. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. I've heard people say it in different ways. Maybe, or sometimes it takes something so horrific to yeah. finally bring us together. And by no means am I saying, or am I say my father was saying, that this needs to happen. In fact, I think it's a wonderful challenge for us to try to avoid that at all costs and be better <laughs> than that. But that was in Star Trek. And, and that was sort of the idea that, that we, had, we had hit rock bottom as a species and had learned how bad that is. Do you too not think that like, however you voted uh, the last few elections, we had a watershed moment with the orange guy, right? And it's yeah. exactly what you yeah. were saying, right? Like, yeah. if that hadn't happened, you know, a lot of my white friends would still be telling me that there's no more racism. Yeah. So yeah. it's not a good thing that that happened, but it did. And so now we take that, right? Yeah. It's not World War Three, by the way. That's nothing compared to World War Three, actually. Yeah. Anyway, we could talk about this forever, but uh, I just want to uh, say you all should uh, really check out the video of the stunning Rosario Dawson. Oh, wait, I don't want to end this being I'm... the guy who talked about World War Three. No, we're very lucky, by the way, that we have Rod Roddenberry, son of Gene Roddenberry, here for a few more episodes. Yeah. So, uh, Trent, tell the people where they can see Rosario and all the video clips. Yeah, you can check out those videos on the Roddenberry social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And we hope you'll join the three of us again tomorrow for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's quote. So tweet us, post us, DM us, whatever. We're at Roddenberry on Twitter and Facebook and at Roddenberry Official on Instagram. Quoting Gene Roddenberry is a Roddenberry podcast hosted by me, Rachel True. And me, Trent Venegas. Producing are Claire Kramer and Kelsey Goldberg with executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Engineering and editing are provided by Elizabeth Joy Windham. And special thanks to all those who were kind enough to read a quote and give a voice to Gene Roddenberry's everlasting words. Live long and prosper. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.